From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in and making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this edition, the path is narrow, but Republicans in the House are moving forward in what could be historic, keeping the federal government operating, but in a more fiscally responsible way by passing, actually passing the appropriations bills. This is something that's not happened since the 1990s. I talked to my conference today, I think, to get the next five, we're going to need more time. So we will pass a continuing resolution, bring that rule up hopefully on Friday that uh, would keep government open, but at the same time deal with the border. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier this morning after House Republicans met. Speaker made clear the House would not be entertaining the bloated funding bill the Senate is working on, despite, despite the bullying of the Senate scare leader Chuck Schumer. This is the problem with MAGA extremism. It's not serious about governing. Chaos is the only word in their playbook. Conflict seems to be their natural state of being. And some of them seem to exult in shutting down the government. <sighs> well, uh, as we speak, the uh, House is in a series of amendment votes on the House floor. We're going to try to get a quick update from Wisconsin Congressman Tom Tiffany. We're also going to be joined by Utah Senator Mike Lee, who's trying to keep his Republican colleagues in the Senate from falling in line with the scare leader. I'm going to talk to him in just a moment. And the Biden administration has apparently become concerned about, their, about the political fallout of their redefining male and female when it comes to women's sports. It's being reported that the Department of Education is delaying the announcement of changes to Title IX regulations which govern women's sports. Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies, here at FRC will join me for that and more. Well, speaking of being confused about the difference between men and women, Target, the first retailer to open their bathrooms and dressing rooms to predators parading as transgenders, has, well, to borrow an almost biblical line from Chuck Schumer, released the whirlwind of lawlessness, and they're paying the price. The chain has announced their, the closure of several stores. We're going to talk about that. And expect the explosive issue of illegal immigration to ignite a showdown on Capitol Hill this week. Joe Biden opened up America's border to devastating consequences. Has anybody asked the president, what, what is your plan to, to do with 8 million people that you've let into this country illegally? Whatever the real number is. You know, you show me what your number is. Estimates are in the millions. And mayors all across America, including Democrat mayors, all across America are saying enough is enough. This crisis has to end. That was Majority Leader Steve Scalise earlier today. So 50,000 people have crossed into the U.S. illegally in the last five days. What's really behind this lawlessness at the border? What can be done? We're going to talk with Todd Binsman, Senior National Security Fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies and author of Overrun. And speaking of immigration, while the Biden administration allows literally millions to come into the country illegally, his administration is giving the boot to a homeschool family that fled to the U.S. because of persecution. After being in the U.S. for 15 years, the Biden administration gave the Romica family four weeks to leave the country. Why? We're going to talk with Uva and Hannah Romica and their attorney, Kevin Bowden, later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. Also, go ahead and write this number down. You're going to need it today. The Capitol Switchboard number, 202-224-3121. Our word for today comes from Romans chapter 3. 
Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Where there is no fear or reverence for God, there can be no peace for man. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can join me each morning at TonyPerkins.com for a short devotional based upon the daily reading. Well, as we were talking at the top of the program, a busy day on Capitol Hill. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy continues to maneuver toward consensus on a federal budget before government funding expires Saturday night. Based on my conversations with leaders and reports this afternoon, the House will be voting on the first of 11 remaining spending bills. Speaker McCarthy plans to bring a stopgap short-term government funding bill to the floor on Friday that will include provisions for spending cuts and border security to buy more time to work through the remaining appropriations bills. Now, it is a fluid and a turbulent process. And, and, and frankly, as I've been saying, it's not unlike what we saw in the speaker's race in January. This is a part of the process, no matter, no matter how the left frames it. Uh, so, look, if we want reform, it's going to take some time. And it's going to take some work. And fortunately, we've got some men and women on Capitol Hill. We're working to bring that reform about. And joining me now from the Senate is one of those conservative leaders, Senator Mike Lee of Utah. He's trying to keep his Republican colleagues in line over there to back up conservatives in the House. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Tony. Good to be with you as always. Uh, we may uh, get an update from the House floor here momentarily. So I'm, I'm, I hate to interrupt you, but we may have to do that. But uh, you and I were talking earlier this morning. This really is a historic moment where we we have Republican leaders in the House holding the line, doing something that hasn't been done since the 1990s, actually appropriate the way they're supposed to. That's what they're moving toward. That's what they want. That's what the American people deserve. One of the problems we've had, one of the reasons why we're $33 trillion in debt is because what I call the law firm of Schumer, McConnell, McCarthy, and Jeffries, uh, in all of its iterations over the last decade or two, every time we approach a spending deadline, they'll wait until the last possible minute to release a comprehensively, secretly negotiated bill and then drop it on members as a take-it-or-leave-it proposition, being told, okay, you, you can vote against it, and which you may want to do because we haven't given you time to read it, understand it, debate it, discuss it, can discuss it with your constituents or colleagues and amend it. But, uh, you know, if you vote against it and the government shuts down, we will blame you. Right. And uh, it'll be your fault. So a lot of members of Congress in both houses, both political parties, just reflexively give in to that kind of bullying and do it. Now, to his credit, uh, speaker Kevin McCarthy has not pushed one of these omnibus spending bills since he's been speaker. This is the first uh, uh, trial balloon through his speakership. Uh, but these things have happened over and over again. And the, the, the deeds, the misdeeds of past Congresses and uh, previous uh, iterations of what I call the firm have trained members in, into not trusting them. Uh, with very good reason. So that's why I applaud the uh, members of Congress who have stood up to this and said, we're not going to do it. And uh, we're going to demand that we have uh, uh, spending in government proceed line by line, item by item. 
when you loop everything together, when everything is tied to everything else, you run a substantial risk that government shutdowns will happen. And that shouldn't be the result, nor should members be forced into supporting right. perpetual multi-trillion dollar deficits just because the firm adopts this bullying tactic. Now, now Senator, this practice has been going on for about a quarter of a century. All right, we're seeing this, you know, we'll see a short-term t- CR that, you know, will be followed by another one, backs lawmakers up until Christmas where they've got to adopt this uh, omnibus bill, everything's piled into it, and, and then that we just do this again over and over and over. So to get reform, it's going to be a little painful because we're going to break with how we've done things in the past. So, uh, you know, what I've been telling Americans, just just hold on, it's going to be turbulent, buckle your seatbelts, but this is... If we don't want to crash the plane, we're going to have to fly through the turbulence. And have to fly right through it. And, yeah, it'll be tough at times. We'll be criticized at times. In fact, the mainstream media uh, so badly wants bloated government spending facilitated by multi-trillion dollar deficits that they'll ignore those things and hyper-focus on uh, the, the uh, discomfort of it all. And they, they always tend to blame only conservatives and looking the other way on what has really contributed to these root causes. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, We've got to keep flying the plane through the turbulence because the American people deserve nothing less. Uh, They've been mistreated for decades, and we've got to correct that wrong. So, Senator, we've been talking about what the House has to do and what they're in the midst of, but let's talk about the Senate because you've got uh, the Senate scare leader, Chuck Schumer, pushing forward with a bloated uh, temporary funding bill, business as usual, but you've got Republicans going along with it. Yeah, it was really unfortunate last night, Tony. Uh, at 5 p.m., I received text of a 79-page spending bill, a short-term spending bill that would keep the government funded for 47 days uh, between October 1st and November 17th. In that bill, uh, we received the bill, all 79 pages of it, at 5 p.m. We had to vote on it at 5.30 p.m. Uh, 79 pages of spending bill text do not read like a fast page short story. Uh, it, it can take days to digest that because those are full of cross references that to right. fully comprehend. You've got to have a staff and a whole bunch of books and people who know what they're doing, which, which we have, but it still takes days to understand that. They forced a vote on this within 30 minutes of when we saw it. Now, this, this doesn't contain increased funding or policy to deal with the humanitarian and rule of law crisis unfolding on our southern border. And no, it doesn't contain any of those things. What it instead contains is more than $6 billion of new funding on top of the $113 billion Congress appropriated last year for Ukraine. Uh, only this $6 billion, in addition to it being on top of that $113 billion, this is just for the 47-day period between October 1st and November 17th. Uh, This is insulting to the American people. Uh, It's insulting to the people who work weeks, if not months, out of every year just to pay their federal taxes, only to be told uh, your contribution to our government is not nearly enough because we're $33 trillion in debt. At a minimum, they they deserve to have their own government adequately funded to perform the basic functions that only the United States government can perform for Americans long before we ship it all over to Ukraine. Like like security? I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later about how so many... Uh, retailers, grocery stores are shutting down because of crime, because we're not yes. we're not enforcing the law, and and people can't go to the grocery store, people can't live on near the southern border because we're being invaded. Uh, 
seems like that's where some of that money should go. I, I want to, but before we move on, though, the the timing of that uh, bringing up up right before Thanksgiving. This is classic. They want to put this before the Congress again, right before Thanksgiving, when everybody wants to get out of town. Force another either omnibus bloated or another fifteen day. 20-day CR that puts us up to Christmas. They do this every time. Every time. Tony, this is the oldest trick in the book. Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen. Should this become law, which it shouldn't, but but if, if, it, if, if it did become law, we would get right up to that November deadline, and just as sure as uh, I'm confident that the sun will rise in the east tomorrow, uh, we, we will face another continuing resolution, another short-term stopgap measure that will take us right up to the edge of yep. Christmas, yep. December 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, somewhere in there. And then uh, Congress will be convened in December, a few days before Christmas. We'll get another bill on short notice and told you either vote for the whole thing without amendment, without time to read it and discuss it and make it better, uh, or the government's going to shut down. And right. not only will you be blamed for a shutdown at Christmas, but you won't even be able to go home and spend time with your family over the holidays. Right. Yes, you will be the Scrooge. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen the same. I've seen this play out over and over. And thankfully, thankfully, Senator, there are some that are finally standing up to it. Senator Mike Lee, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us this afternoon. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, after the break, the Biden administration continues to delay releasing new Title IX rules. That's uh, the rules in the Department of Education that govern women's sports. Why? What's behind it? Could they realize this is a losing proposition? Meg Kilgannon joins me next to talk about it. Don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch straight ahead. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. 
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com, the Capitol switchboard number. Make sure you've got that as well. Where did I put it? 202-224-3121. I don't need to look at it. 202-224-3121. You're going to need it. All right, the Biden administration dragging its feet on its planned rewrite of Title IX rules to include gender identity and opening the door for biological males to compete in girls' and women's sports with access to other private spaces by federal mandate. Now, the Department of Education pushed back the release date from May to October, but now, but now it appears they're pushing it back even further. Is the White House delaying this announcement, trying to run out the clock on the rules being implemented uh, so that it doesn't happen until after the election? Hmm. Joining me now in studio to discuss this and much more, Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. She served in the Department of Education during the Trump administration. Uh, Meg, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me back. Has this become a political hot potato for them? I I think to some degree it has, but their base really, really wants happy the way it's written because it doesn't give them everything. Right, right. And so, um, but the the, the LGBT, um, you know, industrial complex here in Washington, D.C., with all the interest groups and things, they, they're really, um, they make a lot of demands of this administration, and their demands are met usually, right? So um, I think one reason they might be delaying it, though, is, um, so the way that the, the you know, it is a fundamental transformation of Title IX, right? Yeah, they I mean, completely... well, it's, it's, it's taking words that the Congress passed and redefining them. And changing their meaning, right, to mean the opposite. Of... By, the, by them unilaterally. Right. And so in doing that, um, the sports section, I don't, I don't like, we, we wrote our comments and everything, and we realized this, but the way this is actually going to play out in a school, if a school wants to have a girls-only soccer team, and they're in the eighth grade, they're going to have to apply to the Department of Education for permission to have a girls-only soccer team. Who's going to go through all that, those hoops? So this is is the thing. I think that it's going to make some of their base actually mad when they actually see to happen with this rule. And so by delaying it, the effects of the rule will be felt sort of after early voting has started in 2024, yeah. right? <laughs> the impact on this won't be fully felt by the time they have to go. 
anyway. They're going to do it already. already doing it, right. right? They're already doing it. So the places that are going to have to comply and that they're going to target for compliance, that I think that might be part of the reason they're delaying. But also, we had a historic number of comments, over 240,000 comments. But that's the way they have to opt out. As opposed to opting in, you have to opt out. And that's actually an issue over in Maryland uh, where parents want to be able to opt their kids out of sex, sex material, sexual material, sex education, LGBTQ indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And even though that was the policy, right. they're refusing to allow their kid, the parents to pull their kids out. So they went to court. Uh, that's now been fast-tracked. Tell us about that. So the Fourth Circuit has this on an expedited hearing schedule, and and the um, the, the Beckett group, that's the lawyer for this for these parents in Montgomery it's in County, Montgomery County, are Montgomery County, Maryland. They're really excited about this. Um, the original ruling spent sixty or more pages talking about how this did not impact the religious freedom of parents. Right. <laughs> and so we think she does protest too much. Well, I it mean, was a Biden appointee. Yeah. So. Um, so we're we're very excited and think that the that the the court may be sympathetic to these parents on this. So this is material that is a part of a diversity, equity, and inclusion sort of immersive curriculum uh, option. indoctrination. So okay, indoctrination. Fair enough. So in math class, for example, you might have a day where you decide to read a story, and it's going to be about some you know. Um, one one woman yesterday, last night I was with Montgomery County, and one of the one of them described a book that her daughter had brought home, and it was called My Maddie, and her daughter was in third grade and she brought it home because her sister's name was Maddie, but this book is about a mother who's becoming a daddy or a daddy who's becoming a mother. I forget which way it was going, but they talked about kissing My Maddie's cheek, and now it has whiskers. And it's a it's a book about a parent who's transgender. I did that to my grandmother one time. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move but that's on. the kind of thing that's going to be read during math class, and the parents want to opt out of this, right? Yeah. It's a lesson. And on they sex. should be. I mean, look. Let's go back. Kids belong to parents. Yes. Now the left does not think so. We've talked about that actually last week, and how they think parents are stupid. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. Right. God gave children to parents, gave them both the authority and the responsibility to educate them. As we've talked about, they can delegate the authority, but not the responsibility. God will hold them accountable. All right, very quickly, before we run out of time, Meg, uh, Target closing nine stores. um, And they're in New York. Uh, Some of them are in San Francisco, Um, other places of high crime. Right. We're seeing this across the country, uh, over a hundred billion dollar shoplifting spree, lawlessness. Right. And Target was one of the first to promote this idea of, hey, do whatever you want. If you're a you're a predator and you act like you're transgender, you can use whatever dressing room you want. Right, right. Uh, well, the, the, the situation with the way they've redefined crime now and, and, you know, you can shoplift up to $950 and not be prosecuted. I mean, how is anybody supposed to stay in business with that kind right. of a thing going it, it, on? All oh, this is great theoretically, you know, when you're trying to appease the lawless. Right. But when it actually comes and starts biting into your bottom line, Target, they experienced over a billion dollars in theft last year. Wow. I mean, $1.2 billion. 
and uh, and now they're having to close stores because they cannot sustain it. I I think that it's really a shame in a way, because I'm sure that the stores they're closing are in neighborhoods that don't have a lot they of shopping are. options. They, they absolutely are. Target has a grocery store part of it. Maybe they're going to be losing out on the opportunity that's to That's happening food. in Chicago. Chicago grocery stores going out because of theft. The mayor wants to create government-run right. grocery stores. I guess commissaries. I don't know. <laughs> Comrade. <laughs> All right, Meg, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. All right, folks. Don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by a family, homeschool family, that has been in the United States for 15 years. But now the Biden administration says they have to leave. We're going to talk to them. The Romica family joins me next. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to uh, have you with us on this Wednesday. Again, a lot of activity here in our nation's capital. And as I said, immigration is going to be a focus uh, this week as Republicans kind of carve a path forward But even as literally millions of illegal immigrants have poured across our southern border during the Biden administration, the Biden administration is targeting a family of Christian homeschool refugees that uh, have been in this country for 15 years. Fifteen years ago, Uva and Hannah Romaika fled their native Germany with their children for the United States. Now, they sought asylum after German authorities fined them for homeschooling their children. Because the Romaica family 
wanted to keep their children away from the anti-Christian indoctrination in the German schools. Initially, they were granted asylum, and the family then saw that verdict overturned in 2012. The Obama administration then placed the family in deferred action status, leaving them in legal limbo for 10 years, until, until earlier this month, when U.S. Customs and Immigration notified the Romaicas that they had four weeks, four weeks, to leave the country. Joining me now to discuss this is Uva and Hannah Romaica and their family attorney, Kevin Bowden, who is the director of HSLDA International. Uh, Kevin, welcome to Washington Watch. Uva, Hannah, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Before we get too deep into the current legal situation, tell us about your initial decision to seek asylum here in the United States. Yes, we uh, we came here in 2008 because uh, in Germany we were persecuted with uh, high fines and threatened with jail time and uh, loss of custody of our children. The police took our children to school, and uh, it was just not any bearable situation for us to stay there. And then we came here to seek freedom, to apply for asylum with the help of HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And as you said, we were first granted asylum in 2010. So what have you been doing for the last uh, 15 years? Well, we were able to settle here and uh, get involved in the community and church. I, uh, I'm working as a, a piano accompanist at a local um, Christian university and as a church pianist and a, I have a private piano studio. And my oldest children uh, who finished school, they uh, have their uh, jobs. And my oldest son is a pilot and an airplane mechanic. So we are all basically living our lives as everyone else around us, uh, living a normal life. We feel like being American now. And now we are forced to to leave the country. You're living productive, law-abiding lives, adding to the American family. That's what we uh, always try and uh, strive to do. And yeah. Uh, Kevin, I want to go to you f- for a moment to get kind of the status here on the legal. I, it was interesting. About a year ago, I had uh, lunch with a, um, an official, I'm not going to name him, from Germany, who's here in this country uh, with their government. And I, I brought this case up, not by name, but the homeschool and how they persecute homeschoolers. And the reaction was very telling, that there is no space for families who want to homeschool in Germany. So it's the the record is established quite clear that uh, for the Romaicas to go back, it's going to be very difficult. So how did this unfold? How come we're, we're four weeks and they have to get out of the country? Well, the reality, you know, we don't know exactly why or how it unfolded. What we do know is that they came in for their routine ICE check, which has been fairly normal for them over the last 10 years. And instead of being told to come back for another routine check, they were told to come back in four weeks and bring your passports and uh, to look to start the process of self-deportation. So where this came from, why it's coming now, we simply don't know. But, you know, as you talked to, this is a family that essentially – you know, face religious persecution in Germany for homeschooling, came here to a country where, you know, refugees from those who are seeking religious expression and the ability to worship, you know, has been the history and foundation of this country. 
And so uh, why or when, we don't know. But here we are doing what we can to help them as best we can. So how do you see this uh, unfolding? I mean, are are the Romaicas going to be forced to leave the country? I mean, they're literally going to come pick them up and take them out? They could. They could. ICE could take them into custody and they could effectually involuntarily force their removal from the country. And the, the idea of self-deportation, and maybe it appears from ICE's standpoint that they want them to just leave voluntarily. But as you've heard Uva talk to you just now, this is their home. This is their right. life. This right. is what their kids know. And here we are. Uva, how can, how can our viewers and listeners be helpful? Well, first of all, we thank everyone who is praying for our family, um, for God to intervene. And also HSLDA put up a, a website with a, a link to a, 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 a petition where you can uh, help us with a petition to President Biden. Uh, you can see the link on the screen, hsla.org slash Michael. That's R-O-M-E-A-E-I-K-E. All right. Um, we will certainly be praying. And there's also a bill in Congress. We've been in contact with uh, Congresswoman Harshberger who is also working on your behalf. And so we're going to see if we can't get uh, more members of Congress engaged in this. Uh, uh, Uva, Hanna, Kevin, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, And folks, uh, this is where you need the Capitol switchboard number, 202-224-3121, H.R. 5423, H.R. 5423, House Resolution 5423, Uh, is by uh, their congresswoman, who is also advocating on their behalf. You can do that in addition to signing the petition with HSLDA. And you can find that again. If you didn't catch that, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, when we come back, we're going to turn south to the border. That's next. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
hand to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Dr. James Dobson. And I just want to congratulate you on everything that's said and done there. I believe in the Family Research Council and the work that it's doing. There aren't very many left that are that true blue, that uh, conform with biblical truth. Uh, But this organization has done that, and I congratulate you for it. That, of course, was Dr. James Dobson, who was uh, critical, instrumental in founding the Family Research Council 40 years ago this year. And, uh, in fact, he's the one that uh, brought me on 20 years ago, and it's been a pleasure to, uh, to work with him over the years. And, by the way, we are celebrating 40 years, and we'd love to have your partnership at the Family Research Council over the years. Literally tens of thousands of families have joined with us as we have defended and advanced faith, family, and freedom here in our nation's capital. If you'd like to be a part of that, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, let me again give you that uh, House Resolution 5423 for the Romica family, uh, and that is Congresswoman Harshbarger has that measure. And so you can call your congressman, congresswoman, and ask them to support H.R. 5423 to protect this homeschool family that the Biden administration wants to kick out. Of course, this is while literally millions are coming across the southern border illegally. You know, migrant encounters at the southern border soared past the 200,000 mark once again last month, adding to the nearly, we think, 4 million migrants that have crossed illegally into the United States since President Biden took office in 2021, with nearly half of those listed as gotaways who slipped into the country without being caught. But uh, this is not uh, evidence of administration that has unwillingly lost control of the border. It looks like it's intentional. The migrants crossing the border are responding to incentives deliberately put in place by the Democratic Party and from the Biden administration. Joining me now to talk about this is Todd Bensman. 
He's author of the recent book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. He is a former journalist of 23 years. He currently serves as a senior national security fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, Todd, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to be here. Thank you. So your new book, Overrun, has been described as the source for anyone seeking to understand the causes and the scale of the southern border illegal immigration crisis. Uh, give us a little backstory. What brought you to this issue? And I mean, you've spent a lot of time on the border. You've seen this up close and personal. You've walked through this. G- give us the background here. I mean, well, you know, I, I am a recovering journalist uh, in, um, in Texas. So uh, I worked for many, many years uh, on border issues when I was a reporter, uh, covered the um, uh, Calderon government's uh, war on the cartels. And uh, then after that, I went into uh, the intelligence business with the Texas Department of Public Safety, Intelligence Counterterrorism Division, and continued to work on border issues. Uh, and now for the last five years, I've worked for the Center for Immigration Studies. So it's just kind of in my blood. I, I, I've been on this for a long time. So let me just ask you a question that uh, a lot of people are looking at this. Is this intentional? And what is the Biden administration, what are the Democrats trying to do? Uh, Yes, it's very purposeful. Um, This is not incompetence. Uh, No longer after almost three years can anybody mistake this as incompetence. It's it's, um, their policy, their stated spoken policy to create... Uh, lawful pathways is the term they use uh, over that border uh, into the country and um, to create uh, safe, orderly, and humane lawful pathways over the border. Um, Never anything about blocking, stopping, deterring, uh, ending illegal immigration, just facilitating it. Uh, It's really the first time in American history that uh, we've ever had an administration take that position, uh, even Democratic, uh, you know, stalwarts like, you know, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. I mean, they were all kind of border security guys by by comparison. Um, and he, he, even, um, you know, some of the uh, people on the far left, I think what happened here is that there was a reaction to Donald Trump. You know, immigration was his issue uh, and whatever Trump stood for were like way over here to the equal and opposite extreme on the other side, no matter what happens. And I think that's kind of what happened. And ideologues got into the White House in advisory roles uh, who believe uh, in in their guts that that borders are evil and immoral and are like kind of Jim Crow laws. Our, our, our immigration laws are like, you know, Jim Crow and you know, that they have to be um, overturned and ignored until then, uh, that sort of thing. And they believe this, and that's exactly what they've implemented. But, Todd, isn't this like fostering a soft invasion of the country? I mean, when you look at the volume of people who've come across and those that are known to be on the terrorist list that have been caught and those that obviously that haven't been caught, I mean, there's some people here, that are not, they're not just coming to get a job. Well, I think that uh, I think that a great many of them are coming to get a job. I think that this that these are economic migrants. Fundamentally, they're economic migrants. Uh, that is not to say that their numbers 
that the numbers of economic migrants have, have not debilitated our homeland security screening systems and counterterrorism programs that were in place, they have. Uh, this is a historic mass migration crisis by every metric. We have never had anything like this in the American experience. And so our infrastructure for dealing with it has completely collapsed. Uh, and terrorists who are on the FBI watch list, suspected terrorists who are on the FBI watch list have crossed and been caught by their hundreds. Uh, and we have had uh, 1.8 million just people get through uh, Border Patrol and into the interior, never even uh, counted. So, you know, you have to wonder who who all got through, who are from terror watch listed countries or terrorist countries, uh, or our KSTs themselves got through, along with spies and warlords and everything else. It's truly the ultimate stranger danger, what's going on. We have no idea who's crossing that border, but they're crossing and being allowed in by the millions being allowed in. There's really nothing being done to stop this from, from happening. I mean, you, no, you mentioned... they're all being ushered in. They're being ushered in. When Donald Trump, you mentioned Donald Trump. I was at the border before he got a handle on it. And then afterwards, when they put the policy of uh, stay in Mexico, remain in Mexico, and it was like a ghost town. I mean, it really, it had stopped the flow over and, and now it's it's reached these historic levels. So, as you said, it, it can't be incompetence; it has to be intentional. What is yes. this? What is this doing for? I mean, you 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 work there in law enforcement in in intelligence area in Texas. What is this doing to the cartels? How is this empowering them? Well, um, the cartels normally, like before anything like this happened. Uh, you know, their main line of work was drug trafficking. That, that's their that's their main source of income. It's always been. And, you know, human trafficking uh, over the border or smuggling over the border was kind of a, you know, we'll tax, we'll tax you guys. You smaller guys can operate, but you got to pay us a little bit. But it was kind of a side hustle, I guess you could say. But with this thing, uh, the cartels have decided that this is really their main uh, source of income because the numbers are vast. Uh, the, the, the money was maybe 500 million a year to them before this happened. And, and by the end of the first year of it, 2021, it was 13 billion. Uh, 2022 and 2023, I'm sure it's like way in the 20 billions, 30 billions of dollars. The money is stupendous. And what the cartels do with that money is they buy weapons, they buy arms, they buy tanks, they buy shoulder-fired uh, rocket-propelled grenades, they claim more mines, uh, ammunition, uh, everything military-grade that they can per possibly purchase. And they buy government officials in Mexico and also in the U.S. And that power uh, means, that expanded power means that our ability to control the cartels is diminished. Uh, we used to be able to just call the Mexicans and say, hey, they're doing stuff we don't like. We need you to send your military in and shut them down over here. That's not as easy as it was anymore. Uh, and it's going to get a lot less easy to, um, you know, kind of check those cartels when, for example, they decide to um, demand 
uh, their brother or uncle from U.S. custody be released. We want a deal. Um, we could tell them no before, but we might not be able to tell them no anymore. Uh, and next thing you know, they may be withholding uh, oil uh, exports from Mexico and auto parts and things like that. I think it's very disturbing uh, how the Mexican cartels uh, have just been so empowered and enriched by this thing. So that's directly linked to the policies of the Biden administration. Yes. Uh, my book, Overrun, uh, traces the mass migration crisis, the current one, we're in a third year now. It's been like years now, uh, to Inauguration Day. Uh, it literally started on, on Inauguration Day. The Trump policies up until that point had kept uh, immigrants uh, from trying from staying home and from just hanging out, they would just they would stay away because they knew that their money for smuggling would go to waste. So they just stayed in place under Trump, but they masked up on the border in the weeks and months prior to the transition. And they were there for inauguration day when the new policies were implemented and they rushed in that day and every day since on that day. So, so, Todd, uh, your book, Overrun, how can folks get a copy of your book? Overrun's available anywhere books are sold. It's in bookstores, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's just anywhere you um, want to buy your books. And it's, it just came out on audio, too, uh, last month. Do you see an end in sight? Uh, the only end in sight, the only possible end in sight would be if a Republican— um, uh, it, it took over the White House, uh, was elected, and um, brought in an administration that just simply reversed these policies. Uh, this is reversible. It's immediately reversible. But the damage that's been done for the last three years, I think, is not reversible. I think we will be um, just simply stuck with these millions and millions of people that were brought in. They're never going to be, I don't think, fully deportable, all of them. Uh, no matter how hard we try. So, I mean, we're, whatever damage uh, is done between now and then, I think we're just going to have to live with. The implications uh, for the country going forward with all of these individuals in the country that are here in the shadows? I mean, how, how do we deal with that? Well, I mean, it's a fiscal burden. I mean, you can see, uh, you know, the, the case of New York City is the most uh, obvious kind of squeaky wheel thing where you've got you know, uh, 150,000 uh, un unexpected, uh, needy families and people uh, that, that need to be fed and sheltered and housed, and nobody budgeted for this right. because they didn't expect it, right? right. Um, that's, that is being replicated at cities throughout America. It's not just three or four cities. It's right. every city in town. But, but Todd, that, that's a really good point. We're almost out of time here. But had that not happened, had I, I think it was a brilliant move by some of these governors to start uh, busing folks to these sanctuary cities. Had that not happened, the media would have been content basically not to report this and, or just say, you know, this is Texas whining or this is uh, Arizona whining. But now the whole country sees the magnitude of this problem. Well, I, I, I have a different take on the busing, you know, the governor's busing, just so I should real quickly. Um, all of the immigrants that were put on buses weren't actually put on buses. They 
they voluntarily got on those buses. They were going to go one way or another. Uh, I don't think what, what the governor did or didn't do has anything to do with it. They were all going there anyway. It was inevitable that, that all the space would fill up and there would be an unfunded massive billion, multi-billion dollars uh, in, in lots of cities whose mayors are suffering in silence. Yeah, uh, There is no city in America these problems uh, right now. They all do. Right. But I, I think it was the, the governor's brought attention to it with that, uh, whether it's political theater or whatever. It, it did bring the media because the media hadn't wanted to report on it. Um, yeah. Right. But eventually they would have had to report on it because what do you do with everybody? I mean, right. they're sleeping in the streets. Yeah. Uh, Todd. Benzman, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, great book, and we're going to encourage people to pick it up so they have a better understanding of what's happening at our southern border and why. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks, and it is an interesting read. Uh, again, it, this is not accidental. It, it's It's intentional. And while they may have different motives, the outcome here, as Todd was pointing out, we're going to be years in trying to clean this up, but we've got to stop. We've got to turn the spigot off, and this will be an election issue. It needs to be an election issue, and, and so this is another example, just one of many, of how elections matter. We need to pray, we need to vote, and we need to stand. All right, we're out of time for today, but I want to thank you for joining us, and until next time. Let me leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.